Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons podcast. Neats, another season down. How are you feeling? You know, fairly um, ambivalent, actually. It's funny, I'm not angry. I'm not um, frustrated. I'm just sort of very meh about it. I mean, it's a very kind of predictable end to the season, um, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's been a pretty surreal year in a lot of ways. Um, and maybe we didn't want to win the premiership this year with no crowds. I mean, I think we would take a premiership whenever, but um, and I don't think we were ever in premiership contention. But you know, I think that it's just—it's sort of how I felt about the game. Actually, when we watched it, I was super bored. I was just really kind of disinterested and not particularly enthusiastic. Right, because um, there wasn't—I mean, there was a bit of suspense at the end there, but it is clear that we were going to win for pretty much the whole game. Yeah, I think so. And they were playing this sort of weird slow kick mark style of game at the start, which was very unrecognizable. I'm not sure why they changed their game style at the very start of the game. And then they gradually changed it again. Um, but, you know, it just for me felt like a battle of two very mediocre teams and very mediocre organizations, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that, like, watching it, it just looked like just mediocrity in action. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we really threw it away in the Fremantle and Sydney games. Uh, just... For absolutely no reason. I mean, you know, just showed no heart when it really mattered. So, this game just felt like a bit of a ritual. And, you know, the dogs could have done something terrible and given us a chance, but it was never really going to happen, was it? I don't think so. I never had any thought. I, I, it never even crossed my mind that maybe Fremantle would beat the dogs. And I just think that they didn't deserve to play finals, honestly. Mm. After you lose to Sydney and Freer in those circumstances, you don't deserve to play finals. And so, I think that... Um, yeah, it was really all they needed to do was to beat one of those teams and they couldn't do that. So, yeah, I just think it's, um, I don't know, it was a very, I just don't really care, which is probably the worst position to be in as a supporter. It's kind of like if you I break mean, up still with- watched every game at 3am in the morning. So, we showed our lack of care in a strange way. Well, no, as in for the season, yeah. But as in, it's funny, in that last game, it felt like, you know, you know, they always say that the opposite of like- um, hate isn't of love isn't hate. It's like it's just meh, and that's kind of the truth, isn't it? Who because said that? Shakespeare. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's just, I'm extremely eloquent right now. But no, what I mean is, you know, when it's like you 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 know you break up with someone and you move on and. You just, for me at least, it felt like I wasn't angry. I wasn't mm. hurt. I wasn't saddened. I didn't care, yeah. to be honest. It was like if you see someone that you dated moving on with someone else and you just don't really give a shit. Yeah. That was kind of the reaction for me. Yeah. Well, if you can't tell, it is all a bit flat. But what we're going to do in this episode is um, talk a little bit about this season and whether we've progressed or declined um, and a little bit about the game. But we're going to save most of our fire for our season review, which will come out next weekend. And uh, I think if all goes well, we'll have a pretty exciting guest on that episode, but we'll uh, wait to see on that. Um, Suspense. Yes, exactly. Um, and in that episode, we'll talk about some delistings and other things. Those are always my favorite topics to discuss anyway. <laughs> it's been plenty, tough to hold you back to the season on the delistings. There's plenty of people who could have been delisted this season. But, exactly. Um, delistings, coach firings, but we'll come back to those issues. Um, but on the game, we should try and find some positives. Um, what made you smile, Nitz? You know, not much. I mean, I think Track's 63-meter goal was awesome. That made yeah. me smile. Yeah. He is just a jet, and he really has just cemented himself as one of the best players in the competition, and I can't wait to watch him in front of a crowd, hopefully next year, if everything clears up. But um, Oh, exactly. He's that, someone he's who just you think is, so he needs a 90,000 crowd. Oh, you know? He's just going to turn it on, and it's going to yeah. be amazing to watch. Totally. I mean, I thought the goal was amazing, but that pass, the way he kicked it to 
to Spargo, just an absolute dart 60 metres. beautiful. It's just beautiful to watch. It was incredible. He is yeah. just a jet. And so, look, the best thing about this year and the only thing that's really made me smile all year is the emergence of Christian Petrarca, who, mm. you know, for a while there we worried about whether or not he was ever actually going to achieve all the potential that he has. But now it's just he's just rubber stamped it. He is just an absolute superstar. He's an absolute superstar. I thought May had another really good game, um, you know, Every game he plays is a really good game, and that's yeah. been a bit of a surprise. But he had another excellent game to cap off a fantastic season, and hopefully all Australian football. I hope so. I yeah. mean, it'd be good to get at least those two into the all Australian team, and I feel like they deserve to be there. Yeah. For me, what made me smile? Well, number one, beating Essendon. We shouldn't take that for granted. That's always a special thing. We hate Essendon, um, so that was. I something- don't hate Essendon as much anymore, and maybe that's because I just think that they are so mediocre. Like in mm. every way, they're a lot like Melbourne, actually. You know, you've got these teams which actually have real top-end talent but just consistently underperform, consistently get ahead of themselves and consistently have these extraordinarily disappointing losses and are just extremely mentally weak. Totally. And watching Ben Rutten makes me really happy because you watch Simon Goodwin and you get a bit flat with the way he performs at press conferences. Watch Ben Rutten. That guy really? What was wrong with has ben the Rutten? personality of a lettuce. Just watch, <laughs> watch him in action. It'll make you feel great because you can tell that Essendon has no – um, you know, positive signs for several years to come. <laughs> so that makes me feel good. Um, I would say as well is that Jaden Hunt, the winner of this week's uh, Rowan Bale Award for Most Underrated Performance, I thought he was excellent. Uh, four goals, looked lively. And I just want to say, I've always been a big fan of Jaden Hunt. You, Nita, and one of our other frequent contributors, Lior, have been haters of Jaden Hunt, said he can't kick. I totally disagree with that. I think he can kick. He's actually a pretty decent finisher. And I really think he's someone who has this elite attribute that so few players in the competition have. I mean, how fast is he? It's insane. He's in- he's incredible. But a good I coach can get something out of that. Next. I I do agree with that. He has something which is speed, and that is something that you can't you can't teach that. Right. You can't do much with that. You look I mean. at players like um, Nathan Foley at Richmond. Matt White and Richmond and Port Adelaide. I'm not saying they're superstars, but they carved out a pretty good niche for themselves just based on this blistering pace. Yeah. And so he's definitely earned himself another shot. And I think he was really solid. Mitch Brown. Can't finish. Mitch Brown can't finish. Yes. Well, I, don't, I disagree with that. He's kicked a few goals this year, but around the ground, he's been really good. And you he have was to actually say, very, very good around the ground. And I and I was appreciative of his efforts. He's been really good. He's inherited the ped mantle. I think he's really what a mantle it is to inherit as well. No, he's been good. And look, I mean, here an adoration mantle, really. <laughs> and he needed to be because, to be honest, Wiedemann has had this form slump, and Wiedemann has had this kind of baffling season. And we'll talk about this more next week. But he went from this incredible form surge for a few weeks back to kind of nothing, really. Mm. So I almost don't really know what to make of the season. I think it's just too inconsistent. And I think it really has shown that we just need another key forward and mm. someone else um, for next year because we just can't rely on Wiedemann yet. And look, you know, if people want to get mad at him and, and ultimately key forwards just take time and think about how inconsistent mm. so many great key forwards have been throughout their careers in their early stages. And so, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to write him off. I mean, give him till he's like 25, 26 before you think about doing something like that. But yeah, he's still just an inconsistent key forward at this stage. Totally. And look, I definitely don't think he should be written off, but I think we come out of this season with still a fair bit of ambiguity about whether he is going to be, you know, the dominant full forward for us next year. Right? I agree with Which that. is a bit disappointing given that he's had the full year to kind of give us a sign of that. And I'm still not sure. But let's go to the real big issue of this week. Um, have we progressed or declined, Nitz? Because if you read the supporter forums, I'd say it's pretty 50-50. There's a lot of people that say, well, we were 17th last year. We're ninth this year. Seen some positive signs, some good development, some young players and so on. 
And then the other side, you have the people who are um, cutting off their membership cards. So where are you at? I'm extremely, um, I'm extremely disappointed in this year. I mean, I think we've declined. I mean, not declined is. Look, 17th was horrific. It was honestly the year from hell. But if you're going to sell your motto is to hell and back, that means you're probably going to be back in the finals hunt. And we were not, we are not in the finals hunt. So I mean, we were in the finals hunt. Well, sorry, fact, we, we were in not the in the finals is my point. Sure. And so I personally think that you can't go out and make these grand proclamations about how you're back from hell when, as far as I'm concerned, I just think it's a mediocre team. And I think that um, – you know, and I also think that the standards of the supporters are very low. Mm-hmm. I think Melbourne supporters are used to having very low expectations so they don't get disappointed, um, which is, again, like very common in very, um, you know, poor relationships with… <laughs> with organisations. Yeah, and poor organisations is just to hose, your, hose down all expectations. But as far as I'm concerned, I think it's just, I mean, this doesn't feel as bad as 17th, but it doesn't feel like there's real progression. Yeah, it's all about what's the benchmark for success, right? And look, in 2017, we were ninth right? Just missed the finals. So from that point on, you would have thought we would improve and we did improve in 2018, right? I think we probably overperformed a bit, um, but, you know, we made the finals, which is about right. And then to have a horrendous fall last year was atrocious, right? You know, I think most Melbourne supporters would have said, given our injuries last year, if we just missed the finals, it would have been okay. But at least we should have been competitive and we weren't. And then this year, we've had a phenomenal injury run, right? Outside of Gorn being out for a couple of weeks and Gus very late in the season, pretty much all our good players have been on the park for the whole year. We've been in the top three in the comp in terms of injuries. And I just think that if you look at, we really haven't made that much improvement in terms of the forward line. We've made some, Mm. but at the start of the season, the forward line still looked like the same mess it was last year. So I don't know if that really improved that much. Um, I I don't know. And I just think that when you have so many players who are so highly rated, like Track, like Stephen May, like Gorn, um, Clary obviously hasn't been using the ball that well this year, but is still an excellent contested player. You can't be as bad as you are. You really can't. Well, David King made an interesting point, um, and he suggested that we have four of the top 20 players in the comp and that still didn't make the finals, which I think is probably right. I mean, definitely Gorn, May, and Petrarca. Oliver, I mean, statistically would say yes, although he's been a little bit patchy, obviously, but that's a lot of top end talent. You know? A lot. And, and to still make, and to still miss out on the finals is just, it's just appalling. And so I, right. and I just think that the system has still cut, has come unstuck and looked so wishy washy for the whole season. I mean, look at how Sydney finished against Geelong. I mean, they really could have toppled Geelong over in that last game. Mm. And I just think that's such a, sh- a sign of a strong club with a good organization and good system in place. And I still don't see that from Melbourne. I still think it's quite haphazard and we're still so reliant on really gun players to get us through. Well, there was a fascinating article on the AFL website about Fremantle and how Justin Longmuir managed to, uh, you know, change the team's game style through the COVID. Uh, you know, lockdown time as well. Um, and they're making the point of all the kind of innovative strategies they were doing remotely. Uh, and you juxtapose that in the same article with Melbourne, where Tom McDonald was quoted as saying that during the, the, you know, 10 week break or whatever, Melbourne didn't discuss strategy at all, didn't discuss football strategy. You know, they would just have Zoom calls just to kind of stay in contact and I guess check in that everyone was doing all right. That's ridiculous. Like, isn't that remarkable? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. why wouldn't they be sitting there using this, like, opportun- like time as an opportunity? For me, that's just loser's mentality again. Totally. And look, obviously, this is a tough year, right? It's a tough year to drill your game style, and that applies to us. But it also applies to every other team in the competition, right? So, I don't really think it's an excuse. 
you know, this year we beat two teams in the top eight, right? And that's all. One was St Kilda, and that, I think, frankly, we were lucky because they probably should have gotten over the line late in that game. The second was a wounded Collingwood, yeah, right? A seriously wounded Collingwood. Uh, so, you know, I mean, look, we had a couple of close games against Brisbane and Geelong, but, you know, we got pantsed by Richmond, West Coast, um, Port. Port Adelaide. You know, we're a pretty fair way off it. And, you know, we lost to Sydney, lost to Frio, um, probably should have lost to Carlton. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just the hallmark of a perfectly, like, average team. And and maybe that is what we are, you know. And maybe mm. this is this is the argument in the other direction, which is we are an average team. We're not a terrible mm. team. We're not a 17th team. But we're not a great team. We're just average. I just think that if the team actually is going to go anywhere and if the club is going to move anywhere as an organization, you have to raise the bar. You have to raise the standards because let's be clear here. I mean, when we think about what Paul Ruse set up, when he took over the reins, he was imagining that by this time we would be competing for the flag. Right. And we look so far off that. Totally. And I think that was in our strategic plan, right? That at least we'd be winning a final this year um, and progressing. But, you know, there's no sign of that. And I'm not convinced that um, that, you know, Goodwin can do that. But look, there's he's not going to be sacked, I don't think. He's got two years left in his contract. And we'll have to see you next year. Um, what do you make, Neitz, of this Harley Bennell uh, issue? This fiasco. I mean, yeah. it just sounds incredibly disappointing. And Gary Pert seemed do, very frustrated. Do we know exactly what he did? I My understanding is that he had some, he went out drinking. At right, the, on the final night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, I think it's strange he wasn't being played. I mean, that's a separate issue, right? right? But like, I think... Yeah, it's no excuse for... It's no excuse. And I can understand his frustration being in the hub, not being played, feeling mm. like there's real ball use issues in the team and yet still not getting a go. Right. At the same time, if you're there trying to like, yeah. you know, basically rebuild your entire football career, like right. you're on thin you're on thin ice to begin with. Totally. And he had very strict rules of engagement, I think. He wasn't allowed to drink at all, as far as I understand, the season. So do you think he'll be delisted? I think he's done. Yeah. I mean, I think That's... that they're not playing him and then on top of that, you're costing the, you know, the club $50,000 out of mm. their soft cap and it's kind of like I, I understand the frustration particularly now about these hub rule break like the hub, hub rule breaking because it is quite a selfish act when you think about the number of people in these um organizations who have had to have, who have lost their jobs or been stood down and it's it's horrible for them, right? And the idea that you would have to like Melbourne is going to have to take that $50,000 out of their soft cap and therefore, you know, not be able to pay someone properly for, you know, a staff member properly for the next year or have to cut a staff member's role is, is, is awful. It really is. It is. I mean, I'm probably a bit less of a hardliner than you. I mean, it's a very harsh fine and I just think it's a little bit hard on some of these players you know like they they the young guys who do some stupid things I mean, and this is the Harley end of the season. not that young and so and I and is yeah. what I would say and, and but honestly, it sounds like he ha- he has been impeccable until this point and this is the last game this line of the season I'm not I'm not defending his conduct I'm just saying that I don't know maybe I'm just a little bit less less punitive about this I don't know I mean that's the public defender in you isn't it but mm. no I'm actually quite hardline on this and I, I think it's quite poor just because you know they are privileged to be playing AFL in a hub right now I mean look at what most people in Victoria are living through I mean it, there's the some of the worst lockdown measures in the world and so to violate that when you already get the privilege of even being in another state and getting to play football and living in a resort and everything's paid for for you mm. and you have all these laps of luxury I, I don't know for me I just think it reeks of selfishness yeah no, look, you're probably right. But I would love it if, um, you know, he can still come back and still play a role um, because it sounds like in a lot of ways he's doing pretty well. But, you know, time will tell. And we really don't know enough um, about his general behavior to make that call. But it's still sad. It's really sad. It's I such a beautiful so well. story when he I came back. I think so as well. It was very beautiful. But, um, 
Yeah, but this will be a very interesting next episode where we go through every single player and and Mm. the coaches and talk about what needs to be done to improve this club. Exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, so thank you for joining us again on this week's episode of Deluded. like I said, like we said, we'll be back next week, but um, really has been a pleasure in our fourth year of Deluded. Yeah, That's from it. Mexico, the Mexico edition of Deluded. The Mexico edition, exactly. Um, I didn't expect to be here here with you recording this this you know edition of Deluded. Is this, is that because you didn't think Deluded would survive four years, or because you didn't expect we'd be in Mexico? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> Well, we're still here and we love our listeners. Thank you all for supporting us um, and for joining the Facebook group, um, the Melbourne Demons fan community, Deluded. Um, But like I said, we'll be back next week, hopefully with the big interview we're excited about. Uh, Until then, please uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating if you get a chance. And until next weekend, go Dees. Go Dees. Go Dees.